All right. Well, uh, this morning I'm going to start doing a study on the book of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, we'll probably get into 2 Thessalonians as well, but I don't want you to turn there. We will be looking a little bit at uh, 1 Thessalonians today, but I want, I want us to start off in Acts chapter 17. And so as we begin to look in Acts chapter 17, again, we will be a little bit in 1 Thessalonians this morning, and we're going to dig deep into a, a, a verse-by-verse study of uh, 1 Thessalonians, and like I said, uh, most likely as well, 2 Thessalonians. As we go ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 17. And so as we look in the Word of God this morning, we ask ourselves the question, well, why 1 Thessalonians? Why are we going to study 1 Thessalonians and possibly 2 Thessalonians as well? Uh, well, first of all, we, we find several topics within 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We find uh, the topic of, uh, you know, the structure of a church, how a church ought to be structured, because as we're going to see this morning, uh, the Apostle Paul didn't get to spend a whole lot of time in Thessalonica. And so he wasn't able to talk to them about church structure and all that kind of uh, stuff. And so uh, uh, Brother Aaron is also dealing with that on uh, Sunday mornings during Sunday schools. He's going through the book of uh, Titus. And so that is a great study as well. By all means, uh, become a part of that. We also see the encouragement for those who are being persecuted, encouragement for persecuted Christians. And so, you know, when we look in the world in which we live in today, it is a wicked world. Amen. Especially if you stand for righteousness, if you stand for godliness, if you stand for holiness, if you're a Christian and you want to live that Christian life, uh, we're going to be persecuted. We are being persecuted. We're going to be persecuted more and more. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the more persecution we're going to see. But also we see uh, holiness and morality uh, that's dealt with in the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. There's some uh, sexual issues that are dealt with uh, within 1 Thessalonians. But the bulk of 1 Thessalonians and the bulk of 2 Thessalonians is dealing with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to be our, our focus as we look at We're going to look at all of it. We're going to go through all of it verse by verse and take a look and see what the Word of God has to say and how we apply this to ourselves today, how we live in accordance to it. But friends, I believe firmly we're living in the last days. Amen. And so as we're living in the last days as Christians, I don't think we ought to be so much focused upon uh, the Antichrist and when the Antichrist is coming. I think we need to be focused on Jesus. Amen. And Jesus is our blessed hope. And so as we're focused upon the person of Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about all these things. Now we ought to be worried about our loved ones that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We ought to be out there spreading the gospel seed and casting that gospel seed out there to everybody that we could possibly cast that seed out to. But when we look at the text of Scripture within 1 Thessalonians, that is really what the bulk of the, the, those two books are is about the second coming of the Messiah, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this and we begin to recognize, here it is that the Apostle Paul, he was on, <coughs> excuse me, uh, don't, don't you love this pollen that's in the air? Amen. Uh, I, I got, I've got a lot of friends on uh, social media that are up north and they're always posting pictures of uh, 
uh, you know, the, the, how many feet of snow that they have. Well, I had about six inches of frozen pollen on the hood of my car uh, this morning, so I'm tempted to post a picture of that and send to them. But anyway, uh, as we look at this text of Scripture right here, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 17. And as we begin to look at Acts chapter 17 last week, I looked at Acts chapter 15, and I looked at how uh, the Apostle Paul came up to Barnabas. And as the Apostle Paul came up to Barnabas, he said, you know, I think we need to go back to these cities that we went to in this first missionary journey. We need to go back and revisit uh, those cities and go back. Barnabas was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And, uh, of course, he wanted to take Mark with him. I talked about last week how well that went over, right? And so he said, no, that's not going to happen. And so they went their separate ways. Uh, Barnabas and Mark went one direction. And then Paul and Silas, they went another direction along the way. They picked up Timothy. They picked up Titus. And there they went on that second missionary journey. And then when we come to Acts chapter 16, uh, we find in Acts chapter 16 that the Apostle Paul, as it was his original intent of what he told Barnabas, Barnabas didn't want to go back uh, and just kind of uh, re- uh, retrace the steps of that first missionary journey. But as you look through that, every time he'd want to go into a city, the Bible says right there is a Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus. Now, who is the Spirit of Jesus? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Amen? And so every time you try to go into one of those cities, the Holy Spirit will say, no, don't go there. No, don't go there. No, don't go there. And then he had the vision of this Macedonian man that was calling him to say, we need you over here. Compelling him is what the Word of God says to come over here in the Macedonian. So Jesus didn't want him to go one way. The Holy Spirit didn't want him to go that way. But here it was that God showed him exactly where he needs to go. You know, I have folks come up to me all the time and say, Brother Rusty, I feel like God's calling me to do something. I feel like God's calling me to a direction. I feel like God's calling me to do a particular thing. How do I know that it's truly God? Well, first of all, if you're truly seeking the Lord, amen, you're truly seeking the Lord with all of your heart, you're truly seeking the Lord within your spirit, I want you to understand he's not going to allow the devil to open up and sneak up the, through the back door and come into you and trick you. Amen. If you're truly seeking God, God's going to show you exactly where you need to go and exactly what you need to be doing. And he's going to be shutting doors of directions that he doesn't want you to go in. And he's going to be opening doors in the direction that he does want you to go in. Now, we could try to do things our own way and our own will and our own mind. And yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and do what we want to do rather than what we know that God wants us to do. Amen. But if we're truly seeking God, God's going to put us on that path and we don't have to worry about it. He'll shut those doors and He'll open those doors and put us down that path that He truly wants us to go in. And so as we look at this, here it is that uh, the Apostle Paul and uh, his crew, they went in First, they went into Philippi, and we saw how that worked out. It didn't work out too good. They ended up uh, getting arrested, and so they ended up uh, being thrown into the jail. And after they were thrown into the jail by the power of God, uh, they were set free. And so that is where we come to Acts chapter 17. And so in Acts chapter 17, we begin in verse 1, as the Word of God says right here, it says, Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and to Apollonia, they 
came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, talking uh, uh, talking, uh, taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, forming a mob, and they set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, and they were seeking to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the whole world have come here also. And Jason was has uh, welcomed them. And they all acted contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, there, uh, there is another king, Jesus. And they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things, And when they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. So as we look at this text of Scripture, here it is. And like I said, things didn't go that well in the city of Philippi. And so now they're leaving the city of Philippi. They're going on into the city of Thessalonica. It was about a five-day journey by walk. And so as they end up in this city of Thessalonica, you know, it was was very tedious travel back then, but... As they wind up in this city of Thessalonica, the Bible says that there was a synagogue there. And so as there was a synagogue there, the Bible tells us in verse 2 of Acts chapter 17, it says that according to Paul's custom, he went to them. And so, according to Paul's custom, he went to the Jews. According to Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue. Now, as you read through the book of Acts, it doesn't take you long to figure out. Usually, when the apostle Paul got in trouble, he got in trouble with the Jews. Amen? It wasn't so much the Greeks. It wasn't so much the Gentiles. He was just preaching about another God, right? And and so, they weren't too worried about uh, Paul. And it was always the Jews that he got into trouble with not always but usually the Jews that he got into trouble with and so here was the on this occasion the Bible says according to Paul's custom and so we know beyond the shadow of a doubt Jesus himself called the apostle Paul to do what to be an apostle to the Gentiles and so we have to ask ourselves the question well if Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles why then was it his custom to first go to the Jews and so when we look at this and begin to examine Now, the scripture, Paul tells us exactly why uh, he went to the Jews. In fact, when we look in the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, "For uh, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. Now, I want you to just listen to this right now. You can read along to me if you're there. But, but look and see how many times that word win is in there. Right? That word win is in there multiple times so that I may win more. Verse 20. To the Jews I became Jews so that I may win Jews. 
to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might uh, not that I might not bring myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as uh, without law, that uh, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I might become weak, that I might win the weak, to, that I become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that it wasn't him that was doing the saving. He knew that it was Jesus that was doing the saving. And he says right there in verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. And so it's for the sake of the gospel. He knew that there was probably going to be some persecution that was going to take place if he goes to that synagogue. And But what did he do? He went to that synagogue anyway and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ so for what reason? That he might win some. Amen? So that some might be saved. Oh, if that was our heart today. Amen? If it was our heart today, even if I have to put myself out, even if it has to cost me something, even if it has to cost me my time or my money or my talents or whatever it is that I have, even if I have to physically suffer some for the sake that I might win some, someone. Amen? I might win someone to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And what happens when somebody is one to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Friends, the greatest miracle that ever happens takes place when somebody is brought out of death and brought into life where they're snatched out of the very pits of hell and they're brought into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ and they're given life. They're given everlasting life. They're born again. Their soul is saved. Their soul is set free. And they're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, sealed in the Holy Spirit of God, bound for heaven heaven for all eternity rather than bound and doomed to hell. Amen? What's greater than that? As Christians, that ought to be our heartbeat. That ought to be our passion. That ought to be our soul. That ought to be our desire. Especially if you're sitting here today and you believe Jesus is fixing to come back. Amen? Revelation, we read that Satan knows his time short. And it's getting shorter and shorter every day. Oh, I heard that all my life. Guess what? Mockers are going to increase the closer we get to Jesus. Amen? And today we're closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. I don't know when He's coming back. I can't tell you with all certainty that He's coming back. I can't tell you He's coming back in my lifetime. But friends, look around. Things are happening. Amen? Things are lining up. We as the children of God ought to have a heartbeat of Jesus Christ and that heartbeat of Jesus Christ was the same heartbeat that the Apostle Paul had that I might win, even one. He wasn't an apostle to the Jews. He was an apostle to the Gentiles, but as an apostle to the Gentiles, he's still going to preach the gospel to the Jews that he might win some. Friend, that'll be your heartbeat, that'll be my heartbeat, that we might win some. And so as he was in there, again in verse 2, we find right there in Acts chapter 17, it says, according to Paul's custom, he went to them, which were the Jews, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them 
from the Scriptures. Now, understand something. Here it was. It was for three Sabbaths. The Apostle Paul was in Thessalonica for three Sabbaths, which probably meant that he wasn't there for three weeks, but probably meant that he was there for two weeks, and on that third Sabbath, the Jews that were there said, we've had enough of this, we're going to put this to a stop, we're going to shut this down, we're going to shut it down dead in its tracks, and we're going to do something about this. So what do we find in the Word of God? Here it was that the Jews, they stirred up an uproar. They stirred up some wicked men. They stirred up a mob. Uh, they, they, they set the city in a frenzy. And they went in there for the purpose of getting a hold of Paul and getting a hold of Silas. And friends, they probably wouldn't have made it to the court if they got a hold of them. But praise God for the grace of God and the protection of God and the provisions of God. Instead, they got poor old Jason. Jason got dragged up to the court. Who's Jason? We really don't know. Amen. We don't really know who Jason is, but Jason got caught up in the middle of all of this, got dragged to the court. And so here it is that these wicked men that, 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 that was, uh, came and stirred up these friend, this frenzy, they wanted to put all of this business to a stop. They wanted it to be at a dead stop. And so when we begin to recognize this, we look in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And as we look in the book of 1 Thessalonians, we find 1 First of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, uh, the Bible says right here, it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that uh, our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, things didn't go all that well in Philippi, as you know, we had the, 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 the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. <laughs> and that's kind of putting things lightly. Amen? They wanted to kill them. Wound up in jail in Philippi. They go over to Thessalonica. Wind up in Thessalonica and a riot breaks out. Amen? And so now, here it is that the, uh, Paul gives credit where credit is due. Now, we recognize the fact that the Bible tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We need to always keep that in mind. But no doubt, the devil raises up flesh and blood to do his work. Amen? And we know that, and we recognize that. And here it was, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For you, brethren, become... He says in verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, For you, brethren, become imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hand of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. So who drove them out? It was the Jews that drove them out. It wasn't the court of Thessalonica. It wasn't the men of Thessalonica. It wasn't the, uh, the, 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 the Gentiles. It wasn't the Greeks, but it was the Jews. Now we need to be careful, we need to recognize that their heart was hardened, yes their heart was hardened, but we also need to be careful in the fact and understand that, that the Jewish nation is still God's chosen people. Amen? And we need to recognize that and we need to remember that. 
They were also greatly Satan's tool to not only bring about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but they were also greatly Satan's tool to bring about a great deal of persecution. You say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that the hand of God that was involved in all that? Absolutely. God's a sovereign God. God is all-knowing. God knows the beginning from the end. But also lets us know that our God is so mighty and powerful that he could even use Satan for his purposes. <laughs> Amen. So we don't have to worry about him either. Amen. We don't have to worry about men. We don't have to worry about Satan. If we're a child of God, friends, I want you to understand God has us. Amen. God has us. And not only does God have us, God's going to bring us exactly where we need to be. Now back over to Acts chapter 17, and as we continue to look in Acts chapter 17, we continue to look at this, and the Bible says right there again in verse 2, that according to Paul's custom, this was his custom in which he did every time he went to them for three Sabbaths, there it was that Paul was only with them probably about two weeks. And, um, and, and what did he do while he was there for that two weeks? He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures, from the Word of God. What did he do? He says, Thus saith the Lord God. Amen. This is what the Word of God had to say. Now, what Scriptures did the Apostle Paul have? He just certainly didn't have the New Testament. The New Testament was being lived out, right? Much less uh, written, so it was being lived out at that very moment. But what did he have? He had the Old Testament Scriptures. It was the same Scriptures that Jesus used to open up the eyes of the disciples to reveal what the scriptures had to say about him so the same way that Jesus evangelized and used those Old Testament scriptures to point out this is who I am, this is what the, this is what the law and this is what the prophets have to say about me. It's the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul was doing and what greater place to do that in a Jewish synagogue you'd think, you know, he's using our scriptures to point out the Messiah. In fact, the Bible says right there in verse 3 explaining and giving evidence what evidence was that it was scriptural evidence it was biblical evidence explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead saying this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ the Christ the Messiah the anointed one of God the very one that those Old Testament scriptures tell us about the very one that you have been waiting for, the very one that you have been in anticipation for. Here he is. This is him. You, as Jewish people, ought to know above anybody else, this is what the Scripture says, and here he is. He has fulfilled it to a T. Well, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear what Paul had to say. They didn't want to hear about this Jesus. In fact, we look on down in verse 10. In Acts chapter 17, it says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they had arrived, they went to, into the synagogue of the Jews. <laughs> that works so well for us in, uh, in Thessalonica. Let's do it again. Amen. So they went into the synagogue of the Jews, but they had different results. In verse 11, it says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, 
For they received the word with great eagerness and examining the scriptures daily to see what these things were, that these things were so. The men in Berea was much more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. They heard what Paul had to say, but they didn't just take his word for it. What did they do? They started examining the scriptures themselves. Think, what does the Word of God have to say about the Messiah? What does the Word of God, what does the Scripture have to say about this Jesus? Right today we see Berean bookstores and we don't see Thessalonican bookstores. Amen? Those Berean men were there that were searching the Scriptures, searching the Word of God, searching the Scriptures, seeing what the thus saith the Lord really had to say. And as they searched the scriptures, they realized, you know what? He's right. He's right. This really is what the Word of God had to say. Now, those in Thessalonica, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear what the Apostle Paul had to say. And they were not noble-minded enough. That's biblical language right there. They were not noble-minded enough to search the scripture for themselves. Too often we hear things that might be contrary to what we might think. It might rub us the wrong way. We might take it the wrong way. So I might say, what in the world is that knuckle-headed preacher talking about? Well, we need to look in the Word of God. Amen? We don't need to take it as thus says Mama, or thus saith Daddy, or thus saith Grandpa. Now, Mama and Daddy, Grandpa might be right, but how did they get it right? Because they searched the Scripture. We don't need to say it, thus saith our last pastor, or thus saith our denomination, or thus saith anybody else. What does the Word of God have to say about that particular subject? Amen? And when we look in the Word of God, it's thus saith the Lord God. He's always right, and we're always wrong. Now, we might differ on some things. Some things... Is it a pre-trib? Is it a post-trib rapture? Is it a, you know, no rapture? What's the deal? And we differ on those things. I personally believe that pre-trib rapture, maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about this morning, but that's okay. That's why we're going to study Thessalonians. We could differ on some things. Amen? Some things are so blatantly clear. How are you saved? You're saved by grace through faith and not of works. You think you can be saved any other way? That is not true biblical Christianity. And you don't, do not become a child of God. You do not become a Christian any other way. Amen? Those are the fundamentals. Those are the facts. Those are the things that we're willing to take to the grave. And here it was, Apostle Paul, as we look back in verse 3 of Acts chapter 17, and it says, and he, He's explaining and giving evidence through what? Through the Scriptures that the Christ had to suffer. What was he preaching? He was preaching the Gospel. That Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. Why did Christ have to suffer and rise again from the dead? Because it was our sins that Jesus died for. Amen? It was my sins and your sins that Jesus died for. This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. If anybody proclaims to you anything different, the Apostle Paul told the church of Galatia through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, let them be accursed. Not a true gospel. If I enter an angel above, tell you anything different. Let them be accursed. It's not the true gospel. Friends, that's serious business. That's heaven or hell. Amen? Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, that's not heaven or hell. (laughs) This is heaven or hell. That's serious business. And we need to take it very seriously. We need to be busy about sharing it. We need to be busy about proclaiming it. (laughs) But guess what happened? In the midst of all of that chaos, in the midst of all of that calamity, in the midst of all that uproar, a church was started. Most of y'all know that God used me back in 2005 to start church over in Nicholson, Mississippi, and we had to go through a process of starting a church over at, uh, up in Nicholson. We had uh, several folks that were uh, partnering with us. We had the Mississippi Baptist Convention partnering with us, Pearl River Baptist Convention partnering with us. We had six churches that were supporting us. And so in the process of doing all of this, we had to, you know, uh, uh, fill out some forms. You know, who was our target group? Our target group was the lost and unchurched people in Mississippi. They didn't really like that. They wanted us to narrow it down a little bit more and say, well, that's who our target group is. It's everybody, all the lost and unchurched people in Nicholson, Mississippi. And so uh, they, they want to know our strategy. And so what do you think they would have done it we just said okay this, this is our strategy first of all we're gonna uh, we're gonna get some wicked men rounded up and so these wicked men are gonna get wound up and they're going to set the city in an uproar and so as they set the city in an uproar they're gonna go grab a hold of one of our church members they're gonna snatch him out of his house they're gonna drag him before a court they're gonna put him on a big old fine and me along with all the rest of our leaders they're gonna have us running out of town for our life It's biblical. That's the way Paul did it. (laughs) Amen? Well, that's not a very good strategy. Well, that's what happened here. And a church was started. That's not what they had in mind. But understand, God's in control. Amen? God is in absolute control. We look at the mess of this world today and all the the craziness. I mean, (laughs) can't get any worse than that, you want to bet? Amen. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But guess what? God's still in control. Amen. He's still almighty. He's still all-powerful. He's still sovereign God sitting upon His throne high and lofty. Regardless of what takes place in this crazy sin-filled world. In the midst of all that chaos, the Bible says in verse 4 of Acts chapter 17, and some of them were persuaded. (laughs) Some of them were persuaded. Joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. What did you have in that church of Thessalonica? You had some... You had a, some of the Jews, not a lot of them, 
but some of them. A large number of God-fearing Greeks, we don't know how many, but a large number. And a number of the leading women. Prominent women in the society that mix. Wasn't just everybody that looked like me, talked like me, act like me, walk like me. It was a blend. That's what the church ought to look like. Amen? So as we look at this, we see the power of the gospel. All of this whole situation was one big old mess. It was a big old mess in Philippi. They got arrested, got thrown into jail. God took care of it. It was a big old mess over there in Thessalonica. Everything got turned upside down. Jason got arrested, had to pay a big fine. The leaders of the church got ran out of, ran out of town, wound up in Berea. And Paul said, hey, let's do it all over again. Because he knew God had this. Amen. And he wasn't concerned about Paul. He was concerned about those lost people in Philippi. He was concerned about those lost people in Thessalonica. He was concerned about those lost people in Berea. That I might win one. Even just one. Even if it's just that Philippian jailer, now the church was started there too, but even if it's just that Philippian jailer, that might win one. It would all be worth it. Friends, Jesus is coming back. Can't tell you when, and nobody else can either. But he's only coming back after his own. I praise God that I know that I know that I know that I know that He's coming after me. Is He coming after you today? If you don't know it, friends, today you better get that right. How do you do that? You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You believe on Jesus. But if you do know it today, does your next door neighbor know it? Does your mama know? Do your children know? Does your coworker know? Does your classmate know? You know the reality of it is, is this. Jesus said only a few is going to go down that narrow road. And only a few is going to enter into that narrow gate. But many are going to go down that broad road. And many are going to go through that broad gate. You know what that means? That means we're outnumbered. Now we always have been and we're always going to be. You know what that also means? It's not hard to find lost people to share the gospel with. They're everywhere. Amen? 
We just have to set in our heart that we're going to do it. That we're going to do it. Will it be easy? No. Will it cost you? Yeah. Will it frustrate you sometimes to no end? Yeah. Absolutely. Is it worth it if even one is saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to get busy. Amen? We need to get busy. We have so many ways and so many opportunities to share the gospel today. Every day. All around us. We just have to set in our mind and our heart to do it. Today, would you ask God to put on your heart God, who would you have me to share the gospel with today? Let's not wait till tomorrow. That's, Mondays are the days diets start on, right? And then when Monday gets here, it's next Monday. <laughs> right? That's when we start diet. Let's not wait till Monday to cast that gospel seed. Why don't we get busy today? Amen? God, would you reveal to me? Maybe you already know. God, would you today, as the praise team makes their way up this morning, and as you stand, God, would you give me the boldness to share the gospel message? Of your saving love, of your saving grace, would you do that? And God, would you give me the words to say? as you give me the boldness to say it. Would you do that this morning? Let's stop putting it off. Let's start believing in the power of God. Maybe they won't accept you that first time. Maybe they'll run you out of their house. Maybe they will one day be reminded of that message that you shared. Maybe even 10 years from now, respond to it. It's not, not us to do the sa- it's not up to us to do the saving. It's up to us to do the casting of the seeds. But we have to be faithful to cast those gospel seeds. Today, this altar is open. Friend, would you use it? Let's use this altar. Let's pray. God, give me that one person, maybe that one family. Give them to me today that I would share the gospel with. Maybe you know who they are. God, give me the boldness to speak it out to them. And give me the words. Would you do that this morning again? If you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, Friend, would you come give your heart and your soul to Jesus this morning? I promise you'll never regret it. Come today and give your life to Jesus. Anything else on your heart? Maybe you want to join the church today. You come as God leads. Maybe you need prayer. As God stirs, you come.
ね。